0: Good morning, church family. Let's standing worship together. Be seated.
1: Well, welcome to worship on this cool, chilly Sunday morning in January. It's been a great weekend so far here at First Baptist Pineville. We had upward. Yesterday, we had had D-Nail this weekend. We have a special needs block party this afternoon. It has been a full weekend. But to see God's hand at work amongst our people and in our community is just awesome to be a part of. And I'm just grateful that the Lord has allowed me to be a part of this church family If you're a guest, we ask that you would take out your worship guide and on the inside you'll see a connection card. Fill that out and at the end of the worship service you'll have an opportunity to meet our pastor Stuart Holloway out in the Fourier area and he has a gift to give you um, a copy of his book, The Privilege of Worship. If you have any prayer requests or any other things that you would like for us to know on the other side of that connection card, you can fill that out and our staff and our prayer team um, here at the church prays for those throughout the week. But we are glad that you are here to worship the one true mighty God and I want you to bow with me as I pray and after we pray we get to experience um, baptism this morning so pray with me please Father we thank you for today God I thank you for this house of worship and God I thank you for the people that fill this house of worship Lord God Lord, I pray that we would be bold in proclaiming the gospel this week, wherever we go, that we would be intentional about sharing your love with others. God, that we wouldn't get too busy to not share what you're doing in our hearts, and our lives, and in our midst, Father. Bless this worship hour. And may it overflow out of our hearts as we leave this place today. As we go into baptism, God, just bless this time. And it's awesome to see lives changed and transformed. Thank you, Jesus. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.
2: Good morning. I'm Pastor Landry from Point of Life Community Church in Porterville, Mission Church that you have partnered with these last couple of years and we're so grateful and thankful for that. One of the great privileges that we have as pastors is to see someone come to Christ and to make that decision to follow him and to walk with him. And part of that decision is, is submission to Christ is to, to be baptized and to enter the baptismal waters. And one of the great privileges I have today is to baptize my grandson who's recently made a decision for Christ. What a joy and a blessing it is to to take part in in this today and to know that Tarver has made his decision to follow Jesus, to give his life to him, and uh, to walk with him uh, as his servant. And so we thank you for your prayers, for our mission work. We thank you for your prayers for our family, Uh, and we're, we're so glad that God has given us the privilege to not only be a part of the church family to the ministry and the work in 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 but also be a part of your work here to have our son and and his family here uh, as part of part of the church family and so today we we baptized tarver Uh, tarver have you given your life to jesus the savior and lord of your life okay and uh, you're now ready to be baptized as you present yourself to the lord and so tarver uh upon your confession of faith in jesus christ Savior and Lord of your life, I baptize you, my brother in Christ, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Amen.
0: be here to worship with you stand with us as we sing hosanna
3: You may be seated. Well, we've had a full weekend here at First Baptist Church Pineville, and it's going to continue throughout this weekend, but we are blessed have such a great church and a great student ministry and st- great student workers. And as you can see, a lot of folks are wearing these black T-shirts. This is not the new uniform for the church. It's just for today. Uh, we, won't, we won't require you to wear one. Uh, but we had our Disciple Now weekend this week, and many of you are wondering what is Disciple Now? It's a chance for students from all over the community. Around a thousand students got together and worshiped together, had Bible studies together, and small groups together to focus and to focus on the Lord and to hear His voice this weekend. And uh, what was great is our speaker was Vince Smith. He's the the Dean of Students at at LC and he reminded us this week uh, about the prodigal sons. That's right, I said that correct. It was plural. Uh, The prodigal sons. There was a prodigal son that left and there was a prodigal son that stayed home. We can be prodigal and never leave the home. And so it was a reminder that we are a new creation in Christ. The old has come, the old is gone, the new has come. And it's a reminder to be renewed daily by the renewing of our minds. To be focused upon Him and His face, fixing your eyes upon Him and He alone. And to leave, and it was uh, my favorite moment the entire weekend was the, the last night of worship where students literally got, on the front of the, got to the front row at the altar just praying and interceding and bringing their petitions, their requests, their repentance before the Lord. It was a beautiful picture. We have a fantastic group of students, very proud of them. And you continue to please pray for our students and also a students' committee as they continue to look for a youth minister. And uh, in the meantime, we continue to serve the Lord and very thankful for what the Lord did, did this weekend. So let's pray. Father. I thank you for this day, for your many blessings. We thank you, Jesus, for these students, what they mean to you and to your kingdom. We thank you, Jesus, that you have given us a new life, that our old self has been put to death, and that it is a picture of death, burial, and resurrection, Jesus. We thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. May we be ambassadors and witnesses wherever you place us this week. I pray that you be with these students as they go back to school this week, that you would strengthen them and empower them, they would do mighty works on their campus for you and for the kingdom of God. We love you, Jesus. We ask all these things in your precious and dear and holy name. Amen.
0: We're thankful that Christ is our cornerstone this morning. Amen. Sing with me. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood I
4: dare not trust the sweetest praise, but wholly trust in Jesus' name.
0: My hope is big. shall come.
3: bow together with me. Dear Lord, thank you for allowing us to gather here together. I pray for Pastor Stewart as he is about to deliver this message, and I pray for the offerings that are about to be brought up. I pray that you just bless all the people who give offerings, and you bless the offerings, and allow it to be used for all of your purposes. Amen.
4: these pieces, broken and scattered, in mercy gathered, mended and whole, empty-handed, but not forsaken, I've been set free, I've been set free. Sweet. Of doubt, raising up the broken to life. <laughs> Let's seek our fail our weakness you have such a treasure in jars of clay so take this heart Lord
5: Thank you all for leading this morning and um, be in prayer for Kevin Bowles this weekend. He is over in Clinton, Mississippi, preaching the disciple now there at First Baptist Clinton, his home church been there all weekend. He'll return. be returning as weary as our students are this morning, and thank you for Josh and uh, these ladies leading in worship today. Uh, my wife, Rebecca, was going to lead with them, uh, but she is fighting walkie pneumonia going on uh, about the second week of that now, so if you'd pray for her, and so thank you, Josh, for stepping up and uh, leading in a good way this morning. Please turn with me in your copy of God's Word to 1 Thessalonians 1, 6 through 8. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. We're continuing our series, What It Takes to Be First. And here at First Baptist Church Pineville, you know that we have one mutual commitment and then one common goal. Our mutual commitment is that we do life together. And then our common goal is to be first. And that means that we want to be focused on God, involved in ministry, respected by peers, strengthened in faith, and transformed by Christ. And over the last couple of weeks, we've been walking through what those mean, focused on God and involved in ministry the last two weeks. And this morning, we turn our attention to involved in, rather to respected by our peers. Did you know? Did you know that people are watching you all the time? Your friends at school, your parents, your siblings, your spouse, your children, your colleagues, your fellow church members, they're all watching you. Now, when it comes to social media, you can kind of become whatever you want to be. As Brad Paisley sings, I'm much cooler online. And in church speak, you can be much more spiritual online. You can be whoever you want to be, but your friends and your family and your colleagues, they know who you really are because they're watching you every single day. Did you know that people are watching our church? Uh, Pastors around the state. Community members, former church members, all watch us. Why? Well, two reasons, I think. First, uh, First Baptist churches are the mother churches of pretty much every other church in the area in some way or another. And so other churches watch us because it's like when you see a First Baptist church struggling, it's like watching your parent struggle. But when you see a First Baptist church being strong and healthy and vibrant, it's like watching your parent being strong and healthy environment, and you know everything's okay. But for us, I think it's the second reason that people are watching us as a church, and that is because they know where we were 12 years ago. They know that 12 years ago, uh, this church was at the bottom of a 40-year decline that ended with a split. They know that attendance was low, that uh, debt was looming, facilities were in disrepair. But then they also know that a new day began in 2008, and that since that time, the Lord has guided and blessed us, and the facilities are in good repair, and that old debt's been replaced by much more new debt. But we have something to say for it, right? Oh. But they're curious. Is First Baptist Pineville really new and different? Will it last? This week I had the privilege of visiting with a family who recently visited with us. And it was their first time to be in a service here in about 30 years. And one of them said they just had tears at the energy in the service from the very first moment. It it, took them off guard because it wasn't what they were expecting. I mean, imagine placing pause in your mind of what First Baptist Pineville was like 30 years ago and then walk in to a service today. It's completely different. And they were so encouraged by that. They mentioned the excitement of the music. They mentioned looking up in the choir and and seeing my wife, Rebecca, worshiping her, her heart out. And they mentioned being warmly welcomed by our members and invited to Sunday school. And they mentioned the expository preaching. But they also indicated that before they join, they're watching to see if we're really different. Hmm. People are watching. They're watching us as a church. They're watching you and me as individuals. And that's why part of our common goal says that people who are living to be first will be respected by their peers, the church as a whole, will be respected by our peers, and our members will be respected by our peers. The church at Thessalonica was like that. Listen to what Paul writes to them in 1 Thessalonians chapter one, and we'll pick up at verse four. For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, But also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord in spite of severe suffering. You welcomed the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit, and so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Thessalonica was a very important city in its day, it was a seaport town situated on a protected bay in the Aegean Sea, and additionally, the major trade route of the Via Ignatia, a Roman trade route that the Romans had actually put pavers down on, went through that city. And so, the city's location made it prime for commerce and trade. You had a port and you had a major trade route. Well, Therefore the population of Thessalonica was really quite, quite large in Paul's day it was as much as 200,000 people which was huge in the 1st century As you can tell on the map that Paul traveled to Thessalonica in his second missionary journey and he stayed there just over a month and met with success Luke in fact tells us in Acts 17 that Thessalonica was a field ripe unto harvest but it was not without difficulty In fact it was a riot and some difficulties with some opponents that caused Paul to leave the city by night and go to Berea. Nevertheless, the church continued to press on. They continued to move forward with the uh, cause of Christ in the face of much opposition. Several months after leaving Thessalonica, Paul received a report from his young protege Timothy about how things were going back in Thessalonica and the report was quite good and so Paul was elated by the news but he was concerned that there needed to be a little bit more teaching to the Thessalonicans, and so Paul wrote this letter that we now call 1 Thessalonians. What I find exciting is that at the time Paul wrote this letter, only a few months had passed Since Paul had planted the church, this was a very young church. It may have been less than a year old or a little older than a a year, but it was brand new for all practical purposes. And yet Paul says in verse 8, the Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, that's the Roman province Macedonia where Thessalonica was, Achaia is the green just below it, not only in these areas just right by you, but your faith in God has become known everywhere. In just a few months, the faith of the church at Thessalonica had become known all throughout the land. And what strikes me is Paul's definition here of success for the church. Would you agree the church at Thessalonica sounds like a pretty successful kind of place? But Paul says nothing about what we normally talk about. We don't know if Thessalonica had a building or not. We don't know how many people they baptized the year before. We don't know how many people were in Sunday school. But what we do know is that they had a resounding faith that touched the world. He says the Lord's message rang out from you. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. How did the faith become so contagious? The answer is found in the word that we translate rang out or sounded forth. The root word here is instructive. It's the word execao. You can hear in that our word echo. Echo, execao. And the idea is the same. We might say their faith echoed out. Their faith resounded. It resounded. It went out, it sounded, and was resounded in the lives of those people that the Thessalonians touched. And so the church at Thessalonica had a resounding faith. The church became respected by their peers. You know, Churches measure success in all sorts of ways. And those things like nickels and noses, buildings, budgets, baptism, those are important to measure because... We track numbers because numbers represent people. If there's money coming in, there's people investing in ministry. If we're keeping our buildings up, that means we're encouraging ministry to continue. If people are showing up, that means we're doing something. So we want to measure those things. But as good as those measurables are, we also must ask, is our church's faith resounding? And on a personal level, is my faith resounding? So we need to ask an important question. What does resounding faith look like? If we're to measure our success by that, we have to know what we're looking for. And it really sounds a bit abstract. So how can we get a handle on this resounding faith? How do we measure if we are being respected by our peers or not? Well, let's take Paul's image that's behind this word of ringing out, sounding forth, resounding, And that is the image of a trumpet. The Thessalonians were trumpeting forth their faith. So we might say that a resounding faith is very much like the blast of a trumpet. And so let's consider this morning how that is. First, like the blast of a trumpet, a resounding faith is clear. It is clear. The Thessalonians' faith had become known Everywhere People could look at the members of the church, at the evident touch of the spirit of God in their lives, at their faithful service of the Lord, at their missionary spirit, and they could say, those people are genuine believers. Those people are the real deal. That church probably never imagined that they would have far and reaching influence, but they did. Note that the Thessalonians were not going up and down the street, uh, cramming people, uh, the Bible down people's throat. They didn't have the Bible yet like we do. Uh, they didn't have the Roman road plan to salvation. They just had a Roman road right through their town, the Via Ignatia. <laughs> they didn't have all of this stuff that we have. But what they had was their own faith lived out every single day everywhere they went. And as a result, the faith spread. Thessalonica, this important trade city as merchants and traders came in contact with the church at Thessalonica and and to come in contact with a member of the church at Thessalonica was to come in contact with Jesus Christ. And they shared their faith and then those people went off where they were and so the message kept resounding out. As I read that it makes me realize that central Louisiana is called Crossroads. Now what if to come in contact with a member of the church at Pineville was to be impacted with the faith of Jesus Christ? What if when you treat that patient or you prep them for surgery, as those patients come from all over this region, what if they also came in contact with the faith of Jesus Christ? What if when you, when, when you handle that law matter for people from all over this region, What would happen? If when you sell that item in your store to that person from all over this region, what would happen if when you teach that student and meet those parents from all over this region, what would happen if when you prepare that tax reform for people from all over this this region? What if when you sell a property to somebody coming in from somewhere else or maybe to someone all over this region, what if when you insure a person from all over this region, what if when you give a speeding ticket to somebody else from outside our region They came in contact with Jesus Christ. Every single day is an opportunity to share our faith. Do you see how that can happen? Do you see what can happen? As each of our lives connects with another life, our faith not only can spread, it will spread. None of us can know how far our example will go. We cannot tell how far our example might penetrate. Our witness must have this penetrating quality. Your your consistency and integrity will help you to get there. It's going to be amazing. A resounding faith is clear and penetrating. And as you can tell, I got lost in my notes because I got fired up. So I got to rewind a minute and talk about that pink thing there. I live with consistency and integrity. The issue of be having a clear faith is being having consistency and integrity. And the first checkpoint under this fact of having a resounding faith that I, I am um, respected by my peers is that I live with consistency and integrity. As a church, we must resound consistent integrity. Whenever people see First Baptist Church at work, they must see consistency and integrity. They, they must not hear of rifts in the fellowship or bickerings over silly things. They can't hear of them because we do everything we can to protect the unity of the church and we deal with issues appropriately when they do come up. Disagreements are going to come. Challenges will appear. Satan will attack. But when people look at our church, they should see a New Testament church one that's full of grace and truth a community of forgiven sinners who are are growing in their faith while reaching out to others sinners who need forgiveness and and in order for a church's faith to be clear then each individual's member's faith must be clear each one of us must seek the face of Jesus and allow the holy spirit to make us consistent and full of integrity. Our our business dealings must be above reproach. Our, Our personal relationships must be pure. Our marriages must be growing. Our friendships must be true. Our language must be worthy of Christ. And when we fail, and all of us will, those around us must see that we handle that with repentance and we return to the Lord. We must live with consistency and integrity so that the faith will bear clear witness. And then we also have that penetrating faith because you cannot miss the sound of a trumpet. The Thessalonian church, which was just a mere handful of people in a very large city, even though this little handful of people that was just converted, even though they were very new in their faith and they lived in the midst of a strong, self-confident, heathenistic culture, they insisted on being heard. And they were clear and they were penetrating, and they shared the faith wherever they went. But you know where your faith should first penetrate? It's in your family. And that's why the second checkpoint of this goal is my family relationships are growing. Your relationship to your immediate family, your spouse and your children if you're married or your parents, if you're, if you're a child, maybe your in-laws, Those immediate family relationships will be impacted by your faith if it is resounded. Your immediate family is the first group of peers who should respect you. You can live a lie at church, but you can't live a lie at home. Your spouse, your children, your parents, Your in-laws, they know the real you. So what are you doing to grow those relationships? Adults, what are you doing to help your faith pour over in your marriage? What are you doing to help your faith pour over into your children? Students, especially those of you who don't have parents who are believers, what are you doing to help your parents see that you're different? And that Jesus has made a difference in your life. If you want to be respected by your peers, then your faith should be penetrating. But third, a resounding faith is rousing. It's clear, it's penetrating, and it's rousing. One old-time preacher said, you do not play on a trumpet when you want to send people to sleep. A person who's respected by his peers for his faith is an exciting person. Resounding faith is infectious. It wakes up people for the cause of Christ. and So it has a certain quality that causes guests to leave the worship gatherings of a church with a sense of, man, I felt the spirit there today. Or God is at work in this place or these people really love the Lord and each other or God is doing something. I want to get in on what God is doing there and it causes members to leave and say, man, I'm worshiping the Lord like I never have. I'm growing in my faith like I never have. I can see God working in me. And by the way, I've heard those things. But also, as the church members go out into the community, there's a joy In their lives, that causes others to say, What is it with you? There's a rousing energy to serve the Lord, both inside the church and outside the church. Their faith is growing daily, their lives are are demonstrating that growing faith to their family and their friends. I believe today that people just want to see real faith. I think people are fed up with plastic Christianity. They're fed up with Christians being against everything and for nothing. They're so tired of perfect Sunday dress in the midst of a knit and grit real life. They, they just want to see and hear real faith from real people. They want to see a faith that goes beyond Sunday morning to Monday. They want to see a faith that leads a person to be more committed to the Lord than he is to his job or to his hobby or to his sport. They want to see a faith that doesn't keep a foot on the neck of a person who got tripped up, but that extends a hand of grace and helps them up. They want to see a faith that realizes ministry opportunities are all around us. Now, they want to see a faith that worships with passion. They want to see a faith that gives with generosity. People want to see the real deal. David Hume was an 18th century British philosopher and Hume rejected Christianity and the claims of Christ. But one day Hume was walking down the streets in London and one of his friends came hurrying by him and he stopped him and said, man, what are you on your way to so quickly? And he said, well, I'm off to hear George Whitfield, the, the great evangelist. And Hume said, man, you don't believe what Whitfield preaches, do you? He said, no, but he does. How you live and the convictions you hold can make a difference even in those who don't believe. There is an attractiveness to a holy, faith-filled, passionate life. You may encounter people who reject the faith, but they, when they see real faith in you, they'll recognize it and the Lord will be able to start a work in their life and bring about transformation our own faith can be roused up by other believers around us, and that's why the third checkpoint in this respected by peers is I develop relationships among all generations of our church. This is something that we wanted to make sure that we maintain as we move forward in the church, that we have all generations together. And how many of you adults were encouraged when you see teenagers and you too, Amanda, helping lead worship this morning? How many of you are encouraged by that? Isn't that awesome? Man, you see those college students and those teenagers leading and, and it just invigorates your faith, doesn't it? Because you know, man, there's so much potential in them. But you know it goes the other way as well because this Thursday at Joy Club, Miss Lenny Westbrook, one of our 90-something-year-old folks who's just as active as she can be, shared her life story with our senior adults and it, was, it is a, a story of God's providential hand of guidance and that bolstered my faith on Thursday as I heard Miss Lenny's faith. So just in the space of a few days, I've been encouraged in my faith by people who are 25 years younger than I am. That makes me feel really old, y'all. just want y'all to know that. And then someone 50 years older than I am. And all of them are serving the Lord. All of them are seeing God do amazing things in their life. And so we need relationships among all of us. Don't just stay in your little peer group. Breach out, get to know everybody. What strikes me is the faith and ministry of the Thessalonians was unlabored. They didn't have to force anything, They, they didn't have to try. Their resounding faith just came out of the overflow. The inner light of Christ shone through that pagan world that was everywhere around them. They were joyful. They were radiant. The secret of that radiance was their intimacy of Christ. And that Christ was shining forth in them. Uh, Paul gives us a beautiful picture of what that looks like in 2 Corinthians 3.18 where he says, And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory. Every day. It's a little bit of a transition. Every day we're being brought to Christ. Are you being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory? Now I know we all have our carnal moments that we wish we could take back. But in general, only oh, is the habit of your life that you are reflecting Christ. Does your faith have a rousing effect? One way that we can all work on that is through the fourth checkpoint in being respected by peers, and that is I participate in a D group. I mentioned this last week, and it's an important new emphasis we're going to be launching in February. D just stands for discipleship. So it's a discipleship group. But a discipleship group, a D group, is a small, same-gender group of people meeting ideally at least once a week who want to pursue Jesus together. Usually three people to five people. We keep them small. And together this D group is learning to submit to the lordship of Christ, they're studying what it means to be a follower of Christ, they're pouring into one another and they're wanting to engage in his mission. And so you can get some background on it, this this D group begins as one person invites two to four other people to join them in discipleship. Now you don't have to be a super saint to be that first person that steps out. You just have to be a person who takes the great commission seriously that I want to pour into some other people. And so you you go and you recruit two to four other people to join you in a journey. And once established then the group meets weekly for about an hour to grow in faith and pour into one another and and to hold each other accountable. You might meet for breakfast or lunch or coffee, you might meet in uh, your business, you might meet at your home, it doesn't really matter. The idea is you can meet wherever, whenever, and you'll spend about 18 months together, off and on, and then multiply. You say, what's multiply mean? That means that instead of having one group of three, we now have three groups of three because each one of you is then challenged to recruit your own group. And so you have this incredible multiplication effect that takes place as you go through time. We've worked to make this understandable and easy to begin, so we've developed an 18-month first cycle that's broken into manageable goals because here's what I knew. If I said, hey, y'all, sign up for 18 months, you'd be like, "Uh uh-uh. So here's what we're doing. We broke it down into bite-sized chunks. So this winter, spring, 12 weeks. This summer, six weeks. Next fall, 12 weeks. Next spring, 12 weeks. Sizable, chunks. We, we've put together the curriculum you'll go through. You'll work through some books. You'll memorize scripture. You'll hold one another count, accountable. You'll share what God is doing in your own daily quiet times. Now you might ask, but, but Stuart, I'm doing this Bible study over here and I'm in Sunday school and I'm in worship. Yes, but that's all for you. How are you pouring into some others? What are you doing to bring some others along in the faith? If you're interested in being involved in a D group, we're given a couple of op- options to get more information and train to lead one. And if you say, I can't lead a group, come on anyway. We'll, we'll help you out. The first opportunity is tonight at 6 o'clock in Fellowship Hall. Now, I know there's an, a big event happening this afternoon. Yes. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah.
5: And some of y'all are going to be involved in that. But kudos to our deacons who came to a deacon training last week right smack in the middle of the Saints game. Let's give our deacons a hand. I was proud of them coming up for that. That was serious commitment on some of them's part to be there, let me tell you. So there's opportunity tonight. Then there's the second opportunity next Sunday during the Sunday school hour. Pop out of your Sunday school class for an hour. If you're not in Sunday school, come. We want to train you then. And if I need to offer more options, I'll do that because we want you to be involved in that. This is something that our high school students and college students can get a part of. Man, you guys could see some amazing transformation in the next 40 years of your life as you pour into people. And our adults as well. How many lives could we see change? It'd be amazing. Church family, if we all lived with a resounding faith, like the church at Thessalonica, and were respected by our peers, the faith of this church would be contagious. And what gets me is having a contagious faith is really quite simple. You don't have to manufacture it. You don't have to program it. You don't have to generate it. You just have to look to God. You just have to be obedient to God because who blows the trumpet? It's God. And so the God who breathed everything into creation breathes on you. And the God who breathed and parted the Red Sea breathes through you. The God who breathed and imparted the gift of the Holy Spirit breathes through you. And man, you want to have a clear penetrating and resounding and rousing kind of call coming through your life? Let the Holy Spirit blow and you will see it happen. And so you too will become a model to all the believers, both near and far. And the Lord's message will ring out from you, not only in those places nearby, but your faith in God will become known everywhere. Is that what you want to see in your life? Is that what you want to see in our church? Apparently not. That's just kind of... Is that what you want to see in your life? Is that what you want to see in our church? Amen. Then let's seek the Lord and ask him to do that. Lord, we come before you this morning and we ask God that you would give us a resounding, contagious faith. Lord, may we be respected by our peers God, as as other churches look to us, Lord, may they be encouraged to keep pressing on. Lord, as other people look at us as individuals walking through the struggles and pressures and challenges of life, getting up from failures, moving through times of, of frustration, celebrating victories, Lord, may they be encouraged in their faith as we live out ours. And we pray, God, that our faith too would become known everywhere so that people everywhere could give glory and praise to the one Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the one who reigns, who rules and guides, and the one in whose name we pray, amen. We're going to give you an opportunity to respond to the message, and as is our custom, we're going to stand and sing a song of invitation, just seeking the Lord today, saying, just as I am is how I come. And it may be that you need to come to trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You've never done that. And so you say, I can't have a resounding faith. I don't have faith to begin with. Well, the Lord wants to come and touch your life today and bring about salvation. And so we invite you to come today to trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, repenting of your sins and turning and trusting in Him. It may also be that you want to come and place your faith and your membership in this church family because you need a people of God to surround you, to help you to move forward in your life. And so we love for people to come and be united with our family and that you can try to be first with us. It's a lofty goal, but it's something that we want to pursue every day. And maybe that, the, that God is calling you to do something, even another step in your life. Maybe he's calling you to some kind of uh, ministry vocation or to missions or, or something else. And would you follow that call, that your, your call could be taking the gospel somewhere else and blowing your trumpet for God there. We don't know what God's doing, but we want to be obedient to him. As we stand and sing, would you follow the Lord's leading in your life today as we sing this song of invitation?